I'm really surprised, given the subject matter tonight, that we don't have a packed house. (laughs) But there's always something to extract. Mostly we just read through it. There being no temple and temple worship today, it's of course... Uh, it's, it's for those of us today, it's, it's dated, it's dated material, but it does teach a very important lesson. Uh, the lesson of the importance of the purity of the ministry and the, and the understanding on behalf of the laity regarding the importance of, of ministry. And I don't just speak of church staff members or whatever. Uh, Anyone who is in a ministry, uh, a service to the Lord um, with a definite specific calling and unction to that service deserves uh, respect and we should be fearful before the Lord for what people do. Now, this, this is uh, uh, Numbers 18 that we're going to be in. And it comes out of Numbers 16 and 17, which, in which we saw the rebellion of Korah and, and Dathan. We saw the, the rebellion that uh, was sort of centered around the Levites and even some of the Levites uh, participated in the rebellion. And it is as though the people were lightly regarding the importance of the priesthood and the Levites. In the case of the people here at this time, it's important that they understand, and obviously, or apparently anyway, they didn't understand the difference between the priests and the Levites. There's a difference. And I suppose in a modern setting, it would be like... uh, well, it may be a crude example, but the difference between a, a senior pastor and pastoral staff. The rebellious people were just sort of putting it all together, but they were seeing it as some kind of office that was glamorous. Uh, and they were... Uh, they were wanting to know why Aaron and, and Moses were the only ones that can make decisions and do stuff. Of course, recalling that part, those last couple of chapters, we know that the answer was from Yahweh. Yahweh says, I chose them. They didn't choose me. And then the earth swallowed up a bunch of them. Now, this follows up <clears throat> so that again, and this is very gracious for Yahweh to do this. You know, Yahweh was just going to wipe them out. Moses and Aaron interceded for them. It's very gracious then for Yahweh to revisit the definitions of priests and Levites. 
where the differences were and how, what their responsibilities were and how they're compensated. So we have all that in mind and now Yahweh, he spends most of, it's interesting because it's a little unusual, he spends most of this chapter addressing Aaron who is then to give this instruction to the priesthood and then in a smaller spot later on at the end of the chapter he addresses Moses. Those are the only two he addresses. So obviously uh, they are the two who are in leadership here because Aaron is the leader of the priesthood and Moses generally is the leader of the people uh, at least administratively or executively uh, moving forward. This is by the design of Yahweh. This is not by the, by the desires or requests of Aaron and Moses. This is what Yahweh has done. Yahweh has established it. And I think that's something that uh, we lose appreciation for in these, I don't know, latter days especially. But, um, you know, I've told you the joke a hundred times about the guy. It's not a joke. It's the truth. You know, I grew up in Gadsden and the labor union of Goodyear, which was the lar- in those days the largest tire producing company in the world, the plant in the world was in Gadsden. And so they had thousands of people working at Goodyear and it was a very strong labor union there. And pretty much however the Gadsden plant voted on a contract or whatever, the other Goodyear plants would, would follow. And there was that guy, you've heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again so that I can lead into other things that I want to say. This guy had served, his main work was being a rubber worker there at Goodyear, made real good money, had good benefits. And through the years, they were always in a contract squabble with management. And I suppose in my lifetime, back in those days, maybe half a dozen times, um, Goodyear would just shut down. You know, they wouldn't, they would just strike and, and it would affect the whole economy of everybody in, in the Gadsden area. There was this one particular guy who had been a bivocational pastor for many, many years. And he said, when they shut down, you know, he and I've told you this before, he made the statement, I can always go back to preaching. Well, it's not exactly that simple. Uh, (laughs) I have too many personal stories that would probably make me lose value if I told them, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, you go through, especially a younger preacher, he goes through bad times. He gets on his face before God and he just grovels and begs to go somewhere like it's going to be an easy thing. Well, that's not an easy thing. The ministry, the true ministry. Now, I will admit, admit there are charlatans in every age of, of the Lord's work. There are some that are talked about in the Bible, even in the New Testament. There's this world, 
mainly, mainly composed of laity, I guess, who, who think that the ministry is just something you can sort of stumble into or roll into or do if you, have, if you can't do anything else. You know, if you're, a, if you're a real good Sunday school teacher, you could be a preacher or something like that. Um, it's not that way, I can tell you from experience. It's a very difficult thing. But people, the laity, have this worldly view. It's like it's a profession. The, uh, the English duke who had three sons, and it was said that the most brilliant son he sent into the Royal Navy... The next most brilliant son, he sent him into the army. And the least of the brilliant sons, he sent him into the ministry. That's probably about the way it is. I don't know. But you just don't send people into, you know. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that God takes the, the really stupid ones and makes them servants, right? Right? I mean, that's kind of a paraphrase, but that's what it says in the Bible. Even the apostles were ignorant and unlearned, uneducated, unlettered men, is how the Greek would read. Who are these ignorant and unlettered men that they would stand up and preach to us, book of Acts? So, it isn't the brilliance of the preacher that should ever be on display. That's, that's kind of a joke, really. Uh, God takes a nothing and a nobody so that he can use, use that person in a position of service <laughs> and my guess is so that the rest of the people would say man <laughs> God really must be in charge of him because he ain't nothing like that you know this is what we're looking at here with regard to the rebellion they had mistreated the loftiness of the priesthood as though it was something that uh, could be taken at, I'm going I'm to go be a priest. Or to gather the Levites together and say, you guys, you should be the most important ones. Or, you know, all, you, you, hopefully you will recall what we studied uh, last time in the rebellion. So graciously, Yahweh revisits the priests, the, the responsibilities of the priests and the Levites. And the responsibilities really are what to be viewed more than how they are compensated can you imagine how happy they were under the leadership of Joshua finally to get to the land of Canaan and they were just defeating one nation after another and Joshua started doling out the land and it was the greatest land in the world? Well, the Levites had nothing. They didn't have any land. They had sanctuary cities or whatever, but they didn't have any land. There's a reason for that. So what's the difference between the priests and the Levites, and how, how then are they compensated? Much of this instruction is re-given here 
by Yahweh, apparently so that the people will have a greater, because the assumption is made that they are already settled in the land and that there is a, an economy that's been established and that, that there's a production of goods and services uh, from which the priesthood can benefit. And it isn't that way yet as they're traveling. But obviously this is, this is the assumption that's made and it's something that uh, would be fresh for the people uh, to reflect upon when they get to the land. Number one, the duties of Levi. The best thing we can do here is just sort of go through this. Uh, Yahweh said to Aaron, you, your sons, your father's house shall bear the iniquity associated with the sanctuary. You and your sons with, with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. Okay, that's kind of scary. Because something, and that's what happened. There was an iniquity. It was iniquitous for these people to make these assumptions about priesthood. And about what they, they, they might decide they're going to do with the priesthood. You know, it's totally removed from the word of God. And this is why God would say, I'm going to wipe out the whole bunch of them. All the nation, I'm going to start over with you. And intercession was made. Here, Yahweh starts out, and he's talking to Aaron, and he starts, he starts out through Aaron explaining to the people what a heavy burden the ministry to which they have been called really is. Because when the iniquity comes that is associated with the sanctuary, now that would be, you know, the general, that would include, you're thinking about making offerings or certain places in the tabernacle area were restricted, some to just to all the priesthood and then the holier sections just to the priesthood minus the Levites. So anything that could go wrong is going to be the responsibility of the priesthood. Anything in the sanctuary that goes wrong, you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. That's a heavy burden. They had to examine animals. These animals had to be unblemished. They had to appropriately offer offerings and sacrifices in behalf of the people based on the five offerings that are defined in the book of Leviticus. Everything had to be kept in its place on the, on the premises. So you can see here that the responsibility rests with people and place. The individual behavior and outworking of the priesthood from the individuals, the priests, and then that everything was done appropriately. Remember, when strange, we've already gone through that some time back, but when strange fire was offered... It was a terrible thing. It was, it was iniquity of the sanctuary. So there's a great uh, responsibility here. Also your brethren, the tribe of Levi, your father's tribe, draw close to you and they shall join you and minister to you and you and your sons with you before the tent of testimony. 
Now, outside the holy place in the tabernacle in the general area, there were still things to do. Uh, especially, you may recall, the instructions of who particularly and how, who particularly would be responsible for and how the tabernacle would be disassembled and then reassembled. That's a very important job. You don't want to mess that up. You don't want anything iniquitous to be seen regarding uh, the sanctuary, the, the, the tent of testimony. It was such a task to deal with all of the animals and all of the worshipers that the priests had to have the assistance of the Levites. All priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Only the sons of Aaron, only Aaron and then his sons could be priests. The rest of the Levites would be Levites. <laughs> they would be the Levitical priesthood and they would be assistants to the priesthood. So they were to join the, priest, the priests in ministry and minister to the priests. You and your sons with you before the tent of testimony. They shall keep your charge and the charge of the tent and they shall not approach the holy vessels or the altar so that neither they nor you will die. So the priests had to be sure that, that is the sons of Aaron, had to be sure that none of the other Levites would try to do something that only the priests could do. Uh, namely here, approaching the holy vessels or the altar, uh, because if, if they permitted that, they would die and whoever did it would die. They shall join you and they shall keep the charge of the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent and no outsider shall come near you. Now this is specifically aimed at Israel because Israel had, had such a low regard for service in the sanctuary. We'll just decide how we're going to do this, what the rebellion was about, part of it, a large part of it. And so here, again, the people are told that no outsider shall come near you. That is the priesthood. They shall keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar so that there be no more wrath against the sons of Israel. In other words, Yahweh says, I don't want us to have to go through this again. This was a terrible thing. It almost brought an end to the nation. But for Moses and Aaron, and I don't want us to go through this again. That's how serious it was. I've therefore taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are given to you as a gift and given over to Yahweh to perform the service in the tent of meeting. You and your sons shall keep your priesthood in all manner, matters concerning the altar and concerning what is within the dividing screen. You shall serve the service as a gift I have given your priesthood and any outsider that is non-priest who approaches shall die. Here, Yahweh says to Aaron regarding the priests, his sons and their sons and so forth, that the Levites Yahweh has given as a gift to them. 
And Yahweh has given a gift of priesthood to the priests, the sons of Aaron. Now, anyone who didn't respect that and would approach to do anything that belonged to the priesthood, any responsibility or service that belonged to the priesthood would die. The revenues of the priests. Yahweh told Aaron, behold, I have given you the charge of my gift, my offerings. I have thus given you all the holy things of the sons of Israel for distinction and as an eternal portion for your sons. And these shall be yours from the holiest of holies from the fire. And that has to do with which, which offering, what kind of offering was being offered. All their offerings, their meal offerings, their sin offerings, their guilt offerings, and what they return to me, they shall be holy of holies to you and to your sons, and you shall eat it in the holiest of places. Any male may eat of it. It shall be holy to you. So the portion of, of, of those holy offerings, the holy of holy offering, holies offerings, reserved for Aaron and his sons and only the men, not the rest of their families, only the men would be able to participate uh, in, in, in eating that. This shall be yours, what is set aside for their gifts from all of the wavings of the wave offerings of the sons of Israel. And there are a lot of wave offerings. You know, you heave up the heave offering and then the wave. You wave it, a wave offering. That which Israel, anybody would do this and the priests even could wave it. And when that was done, here's what Yahweh says. It's yours, priests, everything that is waved from the sons of Israel. Now that was like money. That would be produce or whatever. That was the same thing as that's just, that was, that was legal tender in that economy. So that's quite a bit uh, of income there. I have given them to you and to your sons and to your daughters. So now the women can eat with you as an eternal portion. Any ritually clean member of your household may eat it. The choice of the oil, the choice of the wine, the choice of the grain, the first of which they give to Yahweh, to you I have given them. This is the best of the best of the best. They bring it to Yahweh. Yahweh gives it to the priests. It's yours. And at this point, it's not just for the males, but it's also for the whole family. The first fruit of all that grows in their land, which they shall bring to Yahweh, shall be yours. Any ritually clean member of your household may eat of it. Now that, that means that uh, they are perpetually cared for. This is an ongoing thing for Israel. It's part of their law. So when they bring the first fruits, there's a wave offering. It's given to Yahweh and Yahweh gives it to the priests and it's theirs. And all of their families can participate in, and they can eat it. It's, this, is, this is more than enough uh, that they'll ever need coming from the first fruits. So you can imagine... Now, they're not doing this yet because they're not in the land. They don't, they're not out there planting, planting crops and waiting for a year to go by so they can, so they can harvest. This. They're not there yet, but it will happen. And when they first see the first part 
of the crop coming up, the first fruits they gather it. That belongs literally to the priesthood. They bring it here. It belongs to Yahweh. And Yahweh gives it to the priesthood and their families are, uh, are cared for. Any devoted thing in Israel should be yours. Every first issue of the womb of any creature which they present to Yahweh, whether of man or beast, shall be yours. However, you shall redeem the firstborn of man and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. Its redemption shall be performed from the age of a month according to the valuation, five shekels of silver, according to the holy shekel, which is 20 geras. All right. Why do the firstborn have to be redeemed? Let's go back to Egypt. The plague of the firstborn. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and your firstborn will not die. But I will require that the firstborn serve me in, in the temple sense for his life. Okay, now let's go to the golden calf in, in, in incident. Israel goes crazy. They start making offerings of, of whatever they brought, some of what they brought. They, they melted the gold, they made a golden calf. You know the story. However, the Levites did not participate in the debacle. So here's what God did. God said, the Levites will be my priests. I'm still laying claim to the firstborn, but you will have to redeem him. So every firstborn had to be redeemed with five coins, five silver coins, five shekels of silver. So you may wonder, well, can they just eat on vegetables and stuff and meat that comes off sacrifices? No, but five shekels for every firstborn, that's pretty good income. So, you know, you, if you're a priest, you go before Yahweh every night and you would beg Yahweh to make <laughs> the Israelites Filled with procreation. Keep them firstborns coming, Lord. Each one is a, is a five, shekel, five shekels of an offering to me. Nah, they weren't like that. Uh, they might have been. But the deal is, now the firstborn would not be, of everybody else but the Levites, would not be required for, for service in a temple sense. But they still had to be redeemed. And now Yahweh would shift the priesthood to the Levites. And the firstborn of all the other people in the other tribes would be redeemed. And that's what this is all about. The redemption of the firstborn. Usually it was done, uh, it was done after 30 days. So usually when the child was 31 days old, this was, this was done. And in the historical traditional sense of the Jews, 
if the, if the rite of redemption was not performed, and frankly, it was lost over a period of time. I mean, you don't have a priest. You have a rabbi, but you don't have a priest. So then what happens is the firstborn buys his own redemption through mitzvah, bar mitzvah, at the age of 13. So I went. Anyway, that's something you may or may not be interested in. But uh, here is this law of the redemption of the firstborn. However, a firstborn ox or a firstborn sheep, firstborn goat shall not be redeemed for they are holy. Their blood shall be sprinkled on the altar and their fats shall be burned as a fire offering as a pleasing fragrance to Yahweh. Now, there, there would be other firstborn. There would be the one that is mentioned historically most often are the donkeys. And I guess maybe camels and horses. I don't know. Pigeons. I don't know. Whatever. But these particular animals would be offered and the offering would be a pleasing fragrance to Yahweh. Their flesh shall be yours like the breast of the waving and the right thigh. It shall be yours. Hopefully you'll remember what that was back from Leviticus. All the gifts of the holy offerings which are set aside by the sons of Israel for Yahweh, I have given to you and to your sons and daughters with you as an eternal portion. It is like an eternal covenant of salt before Yahweh for you and your descendants. A covenant of salt, that just means a permanent covenant, an eternal covenant. It's not going to, it's not going to, lose its flavor. It'll always be there. And Yahweh said to Aaron, you shall not inherit in their land and you shall have no portion among them. I am your inheritance and portion among the sons of Israel. So they're not given land, but they are guaranteed some kind of inheritance from Yahweh himself. Yahweh says, I am your inheritance. I am your portion among the sons of Israel. As Yahweh again states these commands regarding the priesthood, he is again reminding the people of how special the priesthood is. This is not something flippant. This is not something you can toy with or make decisions about on your own. This service to Yahweh is controlled by Yahweh and nobody else can interfere Unless they want to die. Okay, so then the Levites. You have the priesthood, the sons of Aaron. And then you have the rest of the Levites. The revenues of the Levites. To the descendants of Levi, have, I've given all the tithes of Israel as an inheritance. In exchange for their service, which they performed, the service of the tent of meeting. Now, there are a list of tithes, different ways of tithing that's given in the law. And if you count it all up, it's, it's a lot. And it goes into a storehouse. And the Levites themselves uh, give those tithes as an, in, as an inheritance to the descendants of Levi. That's the rest of the priesthood, the Levites. 
for what they do in the, in the service of the tent of meeting. The sons of Israel shall therefore no longer approach the tent of meeting lest they bear sin and die. The Levites shall perform the service in the tent of meeting and they will bear their iniquity. It is an eternal statute for your generations, but among the sons of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the sons of Israel, which they shall set aside for Yahweh as a gift, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Thus I have said to them that they shall have no inheritance among the sons of Israel. And now the tithe of the priesthood. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the Levites and tell them, when you take the tithe from the sons of Israel, which I have given you from them as your inheritance, you shall set aside from it a gift for Yahweh, a tithe of the tithe. Your gift, so they would tithe from the tithes that were given, the priesthood would, the, the Levitical priesthood. Your gift shall be considered for you as grain from the threshing floor and as the produce of the vat. In other words, it'll be just like what everybody else is doing, but it'll come from the tithe. So shall you too set aside as a gift for Yahweh from all the tithes you take from the sons of Israel, and you shall give thereof Yahweh's gift to Aaron the priest. So they give a tithe of the tithe to Aaron and his sons. From all your gifts, you shall set aside every gift of Yahweh from its choicest portion, that part of it which is to be consecrated. And say to them, when you separate its choicest part, it shall be considered for the Levites as produce from the threshing floor and as produce from the vat. You and your household may eat it anywhere, for it is your wage for you in exchange for your service in the tent of meeting. After you separate the choicest part from it, you shall not bear any sin on account of it, but you shall not profane the sacred offerings of the sons of Israel, so that you shall not die. They had to give a, an honest accounting. It all, it all had to be right. It was before the Lord. And so they, once again, the priesthood bears a great responsibility. So anytime someone stands in the position of responsibility regarding the worship of the people of God, it is a grave responsibility. It's not something to be taken lightly. Thus Yahweh revisited the defining of the priests and the Levites so that they'll be sure and have it right from then on. Another point to be made is that both priests and Levites were well sustained. They were well cared for. You think of the millions of, of, G, of Israelites who were making their way and whatever they would receive, a tenth, a tithe of it would go and that tithe belonged to the Levites and a tithe of that belonged to the priesthood. Well, you remember what we just studied. So they were well cared for by the covenant of salt. From then on, they would have a tremendous responsibility before the Lord in both as priests and as Levites. And in that work, the Lord would care for them in a very special and perpetual way.
Well, we'll stop there and let's be dismissed with prayer. Father, we thank you for your word and for your care for all of your people. And for the high regard that you have for the worship of your people. And for service in the ministry from your people. Help us, Lord, to understand these and put them in modern contexts today. That we might walk in obedience to you in all things. In Jesus' name. Amen.